the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Wow. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. And I entitled this message, When Are We Eating? So Exodus 16, pick it up in verse 10. So it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. They got to see so many cool things. They got to see all those plagues. They got to see the splitting of the Red Sea. They got to see the tree go in the water and it turns fresh. Now they're seeing this cloud in heaven and the the glory of the Lord is shining through this cloud. Verse 11, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about. At evening, that the quails came up and covered the camp in the morning. Oh, I mean, we're talking little, little mini chickens here. And pluck those feathers, man. Get them over the open grill, man. We're eating meat, baby. Okay, so it's like, so they covered the camp. And when the layer of dew evaporated, there was a layer of dew uh, in verse 14. And when the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake-like thing fine as the frost on the ground. And when the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather uh, of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each uh each of you has in their tent. So you're only supposed to take so much of it, okay? Verse 7, 17. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, and some just a little. And when they measured it, and Omar, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as they should eat. And Moses said to them, let no man leave any until the morning. So When you get done with it, get rid of it. Don't save it. But they did not listen to Moses. Oh, no, I'm keeping it. I'm not going hungry another day. I'm keeping it. And some some left part of it until the morning. And it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. They didn't listen. Now it's got worms in it. Oh, nasty. Okay, so notice in, in verse 12. God confirms that he hears our grumblings. If you have a King James Bible, it's our complaints. 
God hears our every thought. He knows where our heart is. He knows what's in our minds. The Bible says in Psalm 94:11, the Lord knows the thoughts of men and women. He knows our thoughts. You might think, oh, that's so sweet. The Lord knows how I'm thinking right now. Yeah, it's nice. And then when you're thinking of really bad thoughts, guess what? He knows that too. Okay, so then you're like, oh, that's not a good thing. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like, yeah, to guard what you think. Now, David walked with God and God said of David that this is a man after my own heart. Now, we know that Jesus is the king of kings, Lord of lords, but on earthly kings, David was the greatest earthly king that Israel ever had, probably the greatest king that, that the world has ever seen. And, you know, he slew, you know, he slayed the giant, you know, he knocked out Goliath. He, he delivered God's people from the hand of the Philistines and all the other enemies, the Jebusites and everybody else. He, he made Jerusalem the capital of the nation of Israel. They were a world dominating force. Anyone that came near him, they were, they were just crushed. So David was the man. But he walked with God a long time, his whole life, and now he's on his deathbed. And he made some mistakes in his life, and he also knew the mercy and grace of God because God was very gracious with him even when he sinned. But he got to the end of his life, and he's getting ready to pass the baton, the kingdom, on to one of his sons. His son's name was Solomon. And this is what he said to Solomon in First Chronicles uh, 28, 9. He says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts. He explores every single heart. And he understands every intent of your thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Wow, what a, what a call to humanity. If you seek the Lord, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever through eternity. Wow. Yes, there is nothing that the Lord does not know about each one of us because he searches all of our hearts. He explores us. Now we're told that God totally provided for his people in the wilderness. They had quail for meat and this fine flaky food that was laying on the ground. In verse 31, they called it manna. And we're told back in verse four that God would test them. Would they trust the Lord? Would they listen to him? Would they just do as he tells them? Now in verse 16, first we're told that some gathered a lot, while others gathered just a little. But everyone had what they needed. It seemed to feed whoever was in their household. They were told to gather an omer full, uh, which we're not sure exactly how much that is. Some Bible scholars have said that an omer was about two quarts. So imagine two little quarts. But whatever it was, if you grab too much, you ended up with just enough. If you didn't grab enough, you still had enough. The Lord is really good about meeting all of our needs, just like he did for our church. You know, we always had enough to get by. When COVID first hit and the lockdown and everyone stays home and, you know, the church was empty and all of that. And then people started coming back slowly because we never closed down. But, you know, we would just, I mean, there was times that I was preaching to like three people and they were on staff. <laughs> it's like, and uh, we were doing the live services and then people would like realized, well, he's there doing the service. So I might as well just go. And then, you know, people started coming back. But, but yet we, the Lord met our needs because that's just what he does. And you, know, you never heard me come out and say, you know, people, you know, COVID's been hitting us really hard here. And, you know, if you could dig a little deeper, a little, no. God continued to move through his people and we never once ever brought up finances during all of COVID. <laughs> Amen to that. That's our Lord. 
But we were told in verse 20 here, though, that they didn't listen to Moses. And instead of just gathering enough to eat for the day, they wanted to hoard it. Why? Because they've been hungry. They went, went without food for a while. And they're like, oh, that's never going to happen again. I'm going to build another tent, bigger barns, put more manna in there. See, they wanted to store it up. But this fine, flaky food the next morning, it bred worms. Nasty. It's not like eating leftover pizza, you know. You get up the next morning like, I'll take a little bite of that, you know. But again, this was a test. Were they going to trust the Lord on a daily basis? Were they going to trust the Lord on a daily basis? That's the question. Were they going to trust him? See, God desires us to have a daily relationship with him. Yet some will come to church only on Sunday, and that's their weekly intake of God. That's it. I did my duty, and I'm done. But God is using this as an example of how we need to depend on him on a daily basis. God has always desired a daily time with his people. All the way back in the Old Testament, it's always a daily thing. Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the man or the woman who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching at my doorpost. Meaning, you're coming to him in prayer every day. You're going right up to the heavens and saying, Lord, good morning. And you're talking to the Lord every day. Psalm 68, 19, I love this verse. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. And then it has that word, uh, selah. Like, think about that. Chew on that. The Lord who daily bears our burden. That means every day I'm going to the Lord and I'm casting my cares upon him and, and I'm seeking his face on a daily basis. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you know, whatever I, my needs are today, then give me this day my daily bread. Yes, this is a principle that God is establishing here and is still, you know, it has not changed to this day. It's daily a relationship with God. It was never meant to be about some big church and stained glass windows and statues and pictures and all of this stuff. No, it's about a relationship with God. Which brings up our final point. How much longer? How much longer? How much? Well, let's read here. How much longer are you going to disobey me? How much longer are you not going to listen to me? How much longer do I have to deal with you on this subject? Exodus 16, verse 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days. So because of the Sabbath, I don't want you picking it up. I want you to rest. So I'm going to give you enough the day before the Sabbath for two days. And it's not going to have worms. It's not going to go foul. This is just holy bread of heaven. It's a miracle. Every day it was. And so, uh, verse 30. So the people... Uh, the people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel named it manna and it was the, it was like coriander seed white and it tastes was like wafers with honey then Moses said this is what the Lord has commanded let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness and I brought you out of the land of Egypt so they're going to put some in a jar and they're going to keep it here so Moses said to Aaron take a jar and put an omer full of the manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generation so he's going to keep this and it's not going to go bad for who knows hundreds of years now but 
verse 34, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. And the sons of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came into the inhabited land and they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Cana. Now, it's like they ate it for 40 years. Why? Now, we're going to get into this later. I mean, obviously, we're going to see how this all unfolds, but God's plan was to take them out of slavery and put them right into the promised land. Like, we're going to leave point A, we're going to point B, and we're going to go into the promised land. But because of their rebellion, because of their constant moaning and griping and complaining and murmuring, because they didn't trust God and believe him after seeing all the miracles that they saw. You know, people will say, well, if I could just see God do something, then I would believe. Well, these people saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle, and they still didn't believe. And because of that, God allowed them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Think about that. Now, let's take it to your life right now. You personally, how many times are you sitting in this rut, sitting in this place, this holding pattern, this like, man, why is my life just not going anywhere? And you've been sitting there forever as a Christian and you're not getting anywhere. Is it because there's some area of rebellion in your life? Is there some area in your life that you're not giving up to the Lord? Is there some area of sin? Is there some area that's just like, that's holding you back and you're not willing to submit to that thing? God told the children of Israel, trust me, believe in me. They trusted on some things and other things they didn't. So they stuck in that wilderness 40 years. God might say to you like, yeah, I want to move you out from that place that you're at right now, but you're not listening to me. Okay, another five years. What, five more years? Yeah, five more years. Oh, you're not listening. Okay, 10 more years. Okay, 20 more years. Like, what is it going to take to break you? What is it going to take to get you to just listen and obey my word? Oh, you don't want to give up this one area of sin in your life? Okay, well, we'll just sit there for another five years then. And you're just like, you're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. And it's like, the Lord's like, would you just listen so that I can pour out a blessing on you? These people didn't listen. We'll see how that all breaks down in future lessons here. But verse 28, the Lord scolded them for their hardness of their hearts. How much longer will you disobey? They were taking more than what God told them to take of the manna. And they didn't want to daily trust in the Lord. No, I want you to daily trust in me. I want you to, this is going to be my lesson to you. This food's only going to last for one day. So I want you to daily trust me. Let me ask you, have you developed a daily habit with the Lord? Because that's ultimately what he wants. He just wants people to come to him daily. Do you have daily study habits? Are you reading the Bible every day? If not, now is a great time to start. Pick a book of the Bible and just start reading in chapter one, verse one, and put a little mark there where you end up. You know, start reading 10 minutes a day. Just give them 10 minutes. Start looking for answers. Maybe you can find, you know, little word studies and find out why you believe things. Like I remember, you know, when the Lord first laid on my heart about tithing, it was like, well, in fact, he didn't lay it on my heart. It's just somebody was talking. I was talking to a guy uh, and I'm just a young Christian. I'm eight. Uh, well, no, I'm 20 years old at this point. And, and uh, he says, yeah, you know, like you're supposed to give 10% to the Lord. You're supposed to tithe on your income. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're supposed to give 10% to God, you know? And I'm like, you've lost your mind. I'm not giving 10% of my income to God, you know? Have you lost your mind? But it was just, it was like eating at me in my mind, you know, because I used to just throw in five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks into the offering plate. And I'm like, okay, so 
This is the first, like one of the first word studies I did. I looked up everything on finances. I looked up the word tithe. I looked it up on, you know, I had a study Bible, so it had little sections in the back and everything. We have study Bibles in the back. But I looked up everything on tithing. And then I just realized like, wow. And I remember going to my wife. We were only married like maybe uh, a couple months. And I said, I think God wants us to give us 10%. I mean, we didn't have any money back then. I mean, I was making like five bucks an hour, you know? It's like, and it's like we were poverty stricken when we first got married. But I was like, I said, okay. And my wife said, let's tithe to the Lord. So we started tithing. And so here I am, 40, by the way, I'm not telling you this because I'm the pastor of the church and I want you to give more money to the church. If you don't want to tithe, don't tithe. But I'm just telling you, you need to understand why you do something and why you don't do something. And, and I'm saying after 42 years of marriage, me and my wife have been up and down, sideways. I mean, no money, this money. We've gone from eating pinto beans for every night of the week to, you know, having uh, filet mignon. Well, not every night of the week, but, you know, but you get the point. I mean, so it's like, all I can say to people is, if you don't tithe, you know, because you're saying, I can't afford to tithe, you can't afford not to tithe. You know, because when you look it up and you understand the principle of tithing, what God is looking for is the last thing is the money. He's looking for you. He wants you. It's an act of obedience. That's all it is. Tithing is an act of obedience. Will you do this? It's like, uh, I don't want to give my wallet. See, that's all we find out where someone's heart is. Does God have your heart? Does he have your wallet too? Because it's like you're sitting there thinking, no, I don't want to do this. Look, we don't have, you know, wallet cams here in the seats here. You know, like, hey, what's in your wallet? You know, it's like, no, has nothing to do with that. It's all about obedience. And if you don't, if you don't, then that's fine. But I'm just sitting there telling you that God says in his word that when you bring the tithe into the, into the church, he says, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. He says, if you don't bring the tithe in the church, you're ripping me off, he says. You're robbing me. It's like, whoa, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to be robbing God. But see, this is what you need to look up. And then the Bible also says, you know, not only will I open up the windows of heaven for you, but I will uh, rebuke the devourer in your life. I'll rebuke Satan in your life. You see, this is why you need to study things yourself. Don't just say, oh, I went to church. They're talking about money. I should give 10%. It's like, "Uh, no, 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 no. You don't want to give 10%? Don't give a penny. You keep coming. Don't be offended. But this is obedience to the Lord. And if you don't, then guess what? Then God's not going to open the window of heaven and he's not going to rebuke the devourer in your life, okay? It's just, that's what I'm saying. You can't afford not to. But what about, uh, what about other subjects? Maybe, you know, you hear, you know, like I say at times that abortion is wrong. You might say, well, I just don't agree with the pastor on that. Well, why don't you look it up in the Bible? Why don't you look it up? Instead of just saying, oh, I don't agree with you as if I came up with this. Why don't you look up what God thinks about life and how he created life in the womb of a woman? Why don't you look it up in him? You know, it's like, yeah, but it's a woman's rights, you might say. It's a woman's right. It's her body. It's her right. It's like, uh, well, that didn't work on the vaccination. And also, are you just as bad and up, up, uh, you know, upended about uh, transgenders in the women's sports world? It's like, there's no man that should be allowed to be in women's sports and crushing women's records. That should not happen. Okay. But how come people aren't all up in arms about that? Because it's not politically correct. So we're not talking about being politically correct or not correct here. We're talking about what does God say? See, what does he say? And what about homosexuality? You say, oh, pastor, she's homophobic. I'm not homophobic. If someone wants to be a homosexual, they can be a homosexual. They can do whatever they want. But I'm just here to say that if you're a homosexual, you can't go to heaven. It's like, why don't you study that out? So instead of saying, well, you're just a bigot or you're just this or you're, you know, you, you need to be more progressive. It's like, no, 
why don't you read the word of God yourself? Why don't you study some of these things? This is the advantage you get when you study them out yourself. Same thing with, you know, the people that are having sex outside of marriage. You're not going to go to heaven. If you're just continually living in this fornicating lifestyle, God says no fornicator will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why don't you study that out yourself? So instead of just saying, well, I'm not, I don't like that church anymore. I don't like that pastor. It's like, look, I'm just a messenger. Don't hate me, but study it out yourself. And then once you study it out, if you say, well, I'm going to rebel against God's word, well, that's your choice and you'll have the consequences to follow. But it's like, but you will at least know what God says in his word. We need to develop a prayer life. You know, 10 minutes a day, just talking to the Lord, just Lord, you know, pour your heart out to him. You know, these are the things that God wants in our lives. But getting back to our text, the only time they were to take more of the manna was in verse 22 for the Sabbath, they could take twice as much in one day. and It would not spoil. So they didn't have to work on a Sabbath. Now, why did God do this? Well, God never changes. And he was trying to teach them the same lesson that he's trying to teach us today, that life should be lived one day at a time. We need to trust him one day at a time. We are so consumed with uh, everything about tomorrow. You know, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? You know, what if the sky falls? What if there's a nuclear war with this Russia and Ukraine going on? What if it turns into World War III? You know, what if this? What if that? Remember what Jesus said when he was talking about all the cares of life, what we eat, what we drink, you know, what clothes we wear. He said in Matthew six thirty three, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. What's all what things? Well, what you eat and you know, roof over your head, just the you know, normal things of taking care of life. He says, seek me on a daily basis first. And then he goes on to say, therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't think about, man, what could happen on Thursday? Well, Thursday, no, don't just worry, you're on Sunday. Don't worry about Thursday until Thursday comes. But let's just deal with Sunday. Let's be one day at a time. Let me ask you today, as we start ending here, what consumes you the most? Like, what is your thing here today? What are the things that you're consumed with? What are the things that you worry about? The things that you're anxious in your heart, you know? Do you have a tough day tomorrow or Monday's a really tough day for you? You know, how about next week? Is there something that's happening next week? You know, maybe you got a court thing going or, you know, whatever. Is there something happening next week? Jesus said, don't worry about it. Don't worry. One day at a time. And when we put our heart and soul in his hands... He will do the rest. Second Peter 1.3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Remember when Jesus was just a little boy? Remember uh, his parents went into Jerusalem. And they were going in for the Sabbath, okay? Uh, not the Sabbath, the Passover. They were going in for the Passover. So it was a big thing. The whole village came in. So they had family members. Everyone's there. You know, it's a big festive thing. They do the Passover. Anyway, they're on their way back. All of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, they're a couple days out of, uh, out of Jerusalem. And they all thought, well, Jesus is with another family member. He's with, he's with the cousins over here, whatever. And all of a sudden, they realize, we don't have Jesus. 
I mean, you think you have a bad day, you know? It's like, have you ever lost Jesus? Like, <laughs> we lost Jesus, okay? It's like, and so, you know, Mary and Joseph, they go all the way back into Jerusalem. They're looking all over. Now, listen, those of you that have kids, I mean, I'm sure that somewhere along the line, you had a toddler or something that took off and you didn't know where they were, a five-year-old. I mean, you don't know where they're at. They, you got misplaced, you know, whether at Disneyland or you're just in the mall and all of a sudden, where, where are they at? They're gone. And you freak out as a parent, right? You're like, oh, where are they? Oh, you're just like, oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, as my wife would say. Oh, Lord Jesus, you know, where are they? Oh, my goodness, where are they? And you're freaking out. Where are they at? Where are they at? And then once you find them, now you want to kill them, right? It's like, ah. You know, it's like, you know, now that you know that they're safe, now you want to hurt them, okay? You want to light them up. I mean, it's like, don't you ever take off, you know? Okay, so you know the whole thing. Well, Mary and Joseph were just like us. So Mary, when they found him in the synagogue, synagogue ministering to all the high priests, okay, uh, or the priests, I should say, you know, he, he goes in there and she says, Mary unloads on him. Like, what are you doing? Why would you put me and your father through this? Why would you stay back? Ah, you know, you could just matter. You know, the mom is just you know, unleashing on Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says in Luke here, he says what? He goes, why did you seek after me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I must be about my father's business. And I could just see Mary like, oh, that's right. You're the savior of the world. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.